Rolling Sentences presents A Thief's Nightmare, Part 2, The Time Stream. Nico finds himself exposed to a time stream, or what everyone believes is one, and does a lot of questioning of himself as he goes along towards it. This is a work of fiction. Any names, characters, business events, and situations within this story are products of the author's imagination. Any resemblance to real people, real situations, real events, and or fictional characters, events, situations, and so on, is purely coincidental. Copyright 2022, Michael Henry. All rights reserved. Out of his clothes, Nico shivered against the cold wind that blew across the bow of the boat. He peered down at the choppy water and shivered once again. Dominique appeared to already be about halfway towards a beach, and he had yet to jump in. He did his best to brace himself, and with a few deep breaths, clambered up onto the railing to jump over it. His feet were unsteady on the rusty railing, and he did his best impression of trying to make a clean dive, but it was not a pretty one with a bit of flopping about. The water hit him hard as he entered it, causing his arms and face to sting in sharp pain. He looked around trying to figure out where he was, but in this dark water, it wasn't easy, so he began to push his arms and legs to and fro, hoping they would lead him upward and not downward. A few seconds passed before he would break into the surface and breathed a sigh of relief, although he did take in a bit of air and seawater at the same time. A look around and behind him told him that the boat was behind him and slowly backing away from the rumble it was giving off. Nico turned and began paddling through this rough water towards the island, doing his best to keep his head up and not stomp. It took more time than he would care to admit to get to the point where he could safely put his feet down, except he put his feet down on a rocky outcrop on which this island stood, and these rocks were not friendly. It was about ten feet from the shore, and Dominique stood near the shoreline as she was looking out at him as he did his best to walk these last ten feet on these razor-sharp rocks that after a while almost gave way to a beach. Exhausted, he came to a stop at the edge of the water when he got to it, cold, tired, and generally wet. My, my, Mr. Nico, you sure are a sad sight for a criminal. I thought your type would keep in shape because you're always on the run from the law. Was I mistaken in thinking that, or are you an odd one out? You are also a criminal. He didn't actually want to answer her, because he didn't really have an answer. Yes, but I got here easily, and I am a different class of criminal, thank you very much. There happens to be a small beach house on the edge of the sand. Join me there when you can. She set off towards the tree line, where a small little bungalow lie. He watched and looked around as he collected himself and his breath. There was the expectation that something was going to go wrong right about now. Shouldn't there be guards running about to see who the intruders were? Dominique had said there were guards protecting the place, but for what reason? Since nothing was happening, he began the slow walk after her. Into the shack he walked, and the space had a few scientists, or at least a few people in white linen-like jackets, wandering around in this room that he'd come into. There were enough, though, that this room felt cramped, and he couldn't see if there was more rooms off of this or not, but he suspected there probably was. But before he could really process any of this, a towel was thrown at him, along with some clothes. 
He was then pushed out by someone because the towel was in his face, and he barely had time to grab that and the clothes before he was outside again. It was cold out here, and though the edges of the sun were announcing themselves on the horizon, it hadn't begun to warm up yet. He quickly began to dry himself off as best he could, as he kept an eye out just in case any guards he'd been warned about would show up, because they hadn't shown up yet, and they were supposed to do exactly that. He slipped on the loose sweatpants and shirt that was a bit too tight as he kept a lookout, but no one was appearing. Then stood there, unsure of what to do next. He'd been thrown out of the shack despite being invited in, and now just had a towel in his hands, wondering what to do. The door opened, allowing Dominique to come strolling out and look over at him. Well, I guess the guesses about sizes were wrong. Oh well, throw the towel inside and we will head to the house. Shouldn't there be guards around here? I mean, you did say there would be guards around here, and guards make me nervous. She nodded as he tossed the towel through the open bungalow door, and he quickly closed it so it would not get thrown back at him, and just to make sure that that didn't happen, then hurried after Dominique, who was walking away. The walk around the bungalow, and then towards the road, took a minute, then one that passed in silence. They had turned onto a bigger road and began to trek up this one, which was an actual road with pavement, but there were more potholes than road. They kept to the side where some sand claimed to be as part of the side of the road. Yes, there are guards here, but they also don't like to come out here unless they really have to. If no alarm is sprung by a boat getting close to the shore, then they won't come. That's why we swam. I told you that. But we got pretty close to the shore in the boat. Uh, it didn't set off any alarms or however they detect close-in boats to their shores. Radar and hidden underwater snap wire. The wire is closer to the shore so that they don't have to come out and check it every time a boat gets close. But I do fear we have been dropping off too many people and that the boat will appear on radar. So let's move a little more towards the trees if we could. The move to the woods, which were sparse and followed what was quickly becoming a rocky rising area, did not give Nico much confidence should a vehicle or guards suddenly come along that they would be able to hide from it. This criminal mastermind in front of him, stealing time and energy, didn't seem bothered by it as she moved. He questioned why he was allowing himself to be brought on this ridiculous trip when there was nothing in it for him. Was it curiosity that made him keep going, or something else? Am I getting paid for this? Always after some sort of reward, aren't you, Mr. Nico? To be expected, I suppose. You do rob people, and then, for some reason, that money disappears from your account on trace to some accounts that are dead ends. They should have the money in them, but they don't. A modern-day Robin Hood, perhaps? He opened his mouth to protest, but she didn't give him room to... It wouldn't matter much if you were or weren't, but if it will keep you happy, we will deposit small lump sums into your account just so they won't attract attention. I believe the money will be up to a couple hundred thousand dollars, if that's okay. And if I die in this thing or disappear? If you survive or disappear or die, the money will still be made available to your accounts, and then disappear probably through your um, various accounts that will automatically transfer, I assume. The woods were becoming sparser and sparser, and then ended as rocks grew in size. Up ahead of them stood a house on top of a rocky outcrop. 
It was not close to the edge, but the harsh ocean decaying because of rocks and time had certainly worn away some of the edge, bringing it closer to its doom of falling off, but not that close. The house itself was in a bad state, as they closed in on the front yard. It had two floors, but the second story had half of a roof crushed in, and the wood was also blackened or grayed with age and wind abuse and anything else the environment decided it wanted to throw at it. What had once probably been a taking care of lawn, if it wasn't all stones, was now brush, bramble, and plenty of prickly thorns, all of which seemed to find ways to catch on Nico despite being a small, cleared path up to the door. Dominique marched right past the door and into this place while he struggled to get that last bramble and thorn out of his sweatpants. The door had led right into a dilapidated living room where a former couch stood, but there was little else left here. The floor had some missing pieces to it, but the spots didn't show him what was down in the basement. There did appear to be a soft blue hue coming up through those spots, though, which made him curious. What was that? The floor creaked as he stepped on it, and he wondered if it would hold any weight. Dominique seemed to make her way across rather easily, though daintily. His own footsteps never came that easy, and one heavy step near the center of the room made a loud, creaking protest. Why did I suspect that this was going to happen? The floor gave way, plunging one leg down, but came to a stop at his ass. His other leg splayed out in front of him uncomfortably. But he was stopped, so as gently as he could, he put his hands down on either side of the floor by him and tried to push himself out of the floor. This led to more loud creaks, and then one last louder one as the floor broke. Cold, hard cement came up fast, hitting his foot, which didn't like this one bit and didn't support his weight at all. The rest of Nico came down fractions of a second later among the splinters of flooring which went everywhere. He landed with an oomph and a yelp, and his butt now hurt a whole hell of a lot. He did his best, though, to get over the pain as he looked about the blue, glowing room. It looked like a space that had been neglected by time. The cement that made up the walls and central support area were all decaying in gobs of fallen pieces here and there. Nico slowly got to his feet, rubbing his legs and butt to try and shake away the pain, but did little. He decided he wanted to look for the location of this blue hue and glow. It didn't appear before him, but it was all around him and on the sides of the basement, so he slowly shuffled his way towards this side. The shuffle was more of a wounded limp thanks to the pain slowing him, but he did his best to move. He found the stairs leading upward came into sight, along with some lot of clothes that seemed to be lying around near the bottom of the stairs. Are you still down there, Mr. Nico? Yep, still alive and not taken by time. I can't exactly find this time stream you say has been found now. There's an awful lot of blue, um, sort of atmosphere, maybe? And there are an awful lot of clothes near the stairs, but little else. I'm guessing they're from explorers who wanted to see what is down here. Oh, well, do yelp if you see something like the time stream. Yeah, I will do that. He took a few more steps forward, looking around himself. The hue that covered this basement was everywhere, and especially strong, near the bottom of the stairs. 
but for the life of him, he could not see where it was originating from. The best spot seemed to be under the stairs, actually, where the color seemed brightest. He knelt down to look and crawl under there, because at this point, what's the worst that could happen to him, aside from going, poof? The rotted stairs, as he looked up at them, had some holes in it, and didn't look like they wanted to support anyone. The cement walls were also intact here when he pressed on them and tried to pull at them to see if they would have any effect. Nothing was happening, so he crawled his way back out from under the stairs. Yeah, so far nothing other than a blue hue seems to be here. By the way, whose house is this, Dominique? A resort manager called it home until his pet vanished said something about the place giving him the creeps, and when his lizard, who never leaves his cage, or whatever it was, simply vanished, it was enough for him to decide to quit and move away. Was it a big lizard? As I heard the little ones are pretty sneaky and are, are able to get out and vanish if one isn't careful. I have no idea. Is there anything down there? From what I can see, no. There's nothing great down here. Not even a washer or a dryer. It's bare walls and a bunch of clothes. Huh, well that is weird. He nodded. It was indeed very odd and weird to see. He blinked for a second, and when his eyes came back open, he swore he saw wisps of humanoid light shapes taking steps off the staircase. Then they'd vanish, and what was left of their clothes floated to the ground where the other clothes lie, and soon vanished. He blinked again, and it was all gone. Uh, crime boss lady, is this area affecting you at all? Yes, it is. My head is starting to swim whenever I'm in this house, but now it appears to be terribly strong that the basement has a fresh hole to escape from it. Why? Oh, no reason, other than uh, I think I'm starting to see the past and what happened to people who came down here, maybe. What happened to them? The same thing I think that happened to my fellow criminals at the convention. They got snatched and vanished by time. I do think that I can see the time stream, or whatever you want to call it. It's the whatever this stuff is. Can you now? Nico glanced towards the hole in the ceiling of the basement. A new voice was certainly unwelcome, and he worried that Something new and unfriendly was about to befall him. He did not, however, move towards the hole to look to see this new person. As long as the time stream was here and wasn't taking him, it would be alright. Right. He decided to move towards the center cement support area to hide himself a little so whoever was up there would not get a clear idea of who he was. Not that he trusted Dominique not to give up his identity. He was still just a pawn, however. Are you still down there? The lady from before had to take in some fresh air and stepped out with some assistance. She said the environment in here was terrible. So far it seems fine to me. Congrats, you are the owner of the resort, Victor Hightower. And you, who are you intruding on my private property? Someone hired to do some work, innocent of all crimes, because I was forced here. He said this, thinking it wasn't the least bit believable, but he had to try something. And if it got this person to go away, then that was a good thing, right? By the way, I don't know if you believe the stories about this place or not, but uh, I don't think it's a good idea to come down here at all. 
A rope was already being lowered down the hole from the living room, from which Nico spotted and shook his head. Well, he'd either get to see this stuff happen firsthand, or that the stories were hogwash and he was seeing things. He wasn't sure which he wanted to be true, and so he bit his lip and waited to see what was going to come of all of this. Nothing was happening so far, though, which was a little annoying. If one was going to do something, then do it. Don't create needless drama about it. Are you coming down here or not? I thought you said it was bad. Well, yeah, but when would you trust the word of someone who's intruding on your property? This was greeted by silence, and then feet shuffling. Do I really have to go down there, sir? Nico glanced around the side support section again. He could see the rope had been taken up slightly, and it looked like someone was about ready to lower themselves down via a pulley system or just clambering down the rope. He wasn't totally sure. He was only guessing at that, since the boots were near the hole and the rope was being moved about. Don't tell me you believe those stories as well. Look, we have a person living and breathing down there that shouldn't be there. You have to go fetch them out. It's your job. Well, yeah, but it could be a ghost. We haven't actually seen the person. We've just heard the voice. Go or you will find yourself without a job. And then you won't be able to pay off that damn exorbitant interest rate. You know, the one you signed up for as a soldier just to get a basic used car. There was a bit of shuffling about as boots edged their way closer to the hole. A few seconds passed as this worker then slowly lowered himself down. Nico kept glancing around the side of the wall protecting him and decided to stay where he was since that worker seemed to have a gun holstered up by their side. Right, I'm down. Good, now use your weapon to flush out that last loser so we can go back to doing what we were doing. Nico took another glance around the wall to see the man unbuckling himself from the rope. He took another fast look about the place to see if there was anywhere to hide, but no, that wasn't happening. Come out here, Mr. Mysterious. Nico braced himself for this security guard come around the corner with the gun pointed ahead of him. He entertained the idea of trying to grab the gun, which might be ahead of the man, which he could then grab at. But since that would require knowing the basics of disarming someone, it didn't seem like it would go his way without having that knowledge. Plus, um, from what the Hightower had said, the guy was ex-military, which might make him prepared for such attempts, since they did a lot of basic training, didn't they not? And they would probably cover something about that. Nico tensed and waited, and waited, then snapped to look to his other side to make sure he hadn't been snuck up on with the man coming around behind him. There was no one there, yet. Have you found this man yet? There was silence, and so Nico peeked around the side of the support again. He was unable to resist the notion of knowing what was going down, even if it would end up badly for him. Oh dear. Ha-ha, my man has found you, villain, and now you will face the consequences. Nico didn't bother to respond, because, to be frank, he wasn't sure how to refute that statement. In front of him stood the clothes and the gun of the man, suspended in air as if there were a person still wearing them and holding the gun. Yet, there was no person inside the clothes. Uh, hello? Are you still there, Mr. Security Guard? The clothes began to move about, looking over themselves. Oh, God, what's happened? 
Uh, well, time might have taken you and left your memory of you, maybe. That is a guess, I'm guessing, and if I'm right, you'll collapse into nothingness in maybe a few seconds, maybe a few minutes. Not sure. The gun, which had drooped so that it was pointing towards the ground, came back up and pointed towards Nico's face. He raised an eyebrow in reply and began to worry his theory was in fact wrong on all fronts. He pulled back as the gun went off. There was a twang, a thwack that followed, which he hoped meant that the bullet had landed in the cement and wasn't going to be bouncing about the place. What's going on down there? You both did this to me. Now pay! The gun went off several more times as Nico ducked around towards the other corner, trying to get away from the noise. The bullets sounded like they were hitting wood and not cement. He didn't take long to think this over, though, since he needed a plan to get out of here and without getting shot or killed, preferably. But the wild look around only gave him cement walls and the stairs, and they didn't look like they were going to hold him, and apparently the man who was invisible was still near the rope, which cut off that avenue of potential escape. I know this isn't going to be heard, but I didn't do anything to you, you guard. It was all Victor up there. He's the one who ordered you down here, and then, um, let stuff happen to you. You intruded onto private property which forced that numbskull up there to order me down here, where this happened to me. What has happened to me? Difficult to say, since I don't know of any scientific terms for it, but, um, to say something to maybe hopefully get you to calm down a bit, time has taken your body. Most of it, anyway. Uh... I think. How? I don't know how time works, or acts, or works, or I don't know. I've only been told all of this recently by the person you took outside. Go ask them. Pete shuffled upstairs, headed away from them. They both glanced in that direction, and then Nico almost thought about trying to grab for the gun, but the figure seemed to be looking at him again. The steps were heavy and distracting, but not too much so. He soon found the gun was not close to him, but definitely pointed in the direction of his face. The only thing one could do was raise their arms in surrender. Well, you got me. Now what's your plan, invisible man? Turn me back. I would if I could, but you don't listen. I don't know how any of this works. I don't know why I'm still in my own body. If I am still in my own body, I see myself. Do you see yourself? Yes, I don't see... No, I don't see myself. Yes, I see you. Well, according to all of the sources that I know, um, I should be vanished, or worse, or exactly like you. I don't know why I'm not. Fine. You need to climb up that rope, then, and don't try anything. Thankfully, this guard didn't do the whole twitch the pistol towards the direction that he wanted him to go in, like in the movies. It always felt like such an odd thing to do and weird to see. Nico followed his orders, though, going around the center support and over towards the hole where the rope lay. The gun in the clothes of the guard kept following him as he grabbed up the rope and began pulling himself up, hand over hand. He did cast a few glances back down as the rope cut into his hands to see if anything had changed down there, or that the gun was no longer pointed at him, but no, the things were status quo. The hole was not nice to go back through, as its rough, jagged edges greeted him as he got to them. Worse, they did not really provide a good place to put his hands to help push him that final way through. 
He had to keep climbing until the end of the rope, which was tied to some hook in the wall. Nico didn't even trust this once he was out, as he did his best to get away from the floor in case it decided to go again and he would wind up back down in the basement. He saw the rope tighten once again once he'd let go, as the hook strained as the figure of the invisible guard was on his way up. But to stay and watch this or to leave was the question. The door was just to his right, and he looked that way. There was a smattering of clothes headed towards the door. He wondered if now that time was escaping the basement and was acting out and could attack. It's time to go outside. The guard, still invisible and with his gun pointed, had gotten out of the hole. Nika wanted to spit off to the side in disappointment. He'd wasted too much time thinking about things. Now he had to deal with raising his hands again and being marched around for the pleasure of others. He had done a lot of that and other jobs for people's pleasures, but it never quite worked out as well as anyone wanted it to. The door had been left open. He approached it and could see that there was no one on the other side of it, so he stepped out. Two steps away from the front door saw a smattering of guards surrounding a man who looked like he was having trouble breathing. All attention instantly turned to Nico as he walked out and took their stairs. His hands were still up in the air in surrender, and he sort of just stood there, unsure of what to do next. Where is Victor? Nico stepped to the side to look behind him and see if the gun and the clothes were still behind him. As he tried to peer further in through the open door, it suddenly slammed shut. He blinked and then turned to the host of other guards. Uh, he was behind me, but I fear he might be trapped in the house forever. Why? Um, well, it has either something to do with ghosts, or time has come to life and decided to take people away who get near it. It's angry, I think. Well, that is, except for me, for some reasons that I don't know why yet. Perhaps you might ask Dominique um, if she survived feeling ill? One of the guards glanced back towards a van, which Nico took to mean that they had stuffed her in there and left it at that. However, the heavy breathing of the man surrounded them seemed much more important, even as he slowly got up from the ground, his breath still haggard in short gasps. I demand you get that woman out here at once. A guard moved towards the van door and threw it open and saw the surprised Dominique working on her handcuffs with a pin. She froze, then sighed and dropped the pin as she jumped out of the vehicle. What is it now, Victor? I gave you what you wanted. All of the information is now freely available to you. She was brought up towards this man who was gasping for air and he grasped at her arm and looked very annoyed when she was within his grasp. This isn't what I asked for. It is. You asked me to find out about the house, and if it was usable. I brought in people to test that whole theory. Job's done. Victor's hand pointed towards Nico, who was only catching snippets of this conversation, mostly from Dominique's side, since she was talking loudly. Then how has that survived? Apparently the, f the time stream in there finds him abhorrent, or something. It doesn't want to take him. I don't know. He's useful, though, if you want to find any other time streams and potential uses for it. I mean, you did think that this would be a potential power source for you to seek, did you not? Nico had crept his way closer towards them, trying not to look suspicious, and so that he could hear what they were saying. 
His attention was certainly grabbed by that last bit. She had said she'd been working to find out if time could be used as electricity, and he supposed that to mean independently of anyone. But this new situation of working for the person whose island she supposedly snuck onto? That didn't make sense. It made a bit more sense about how the scientists could be huddled up into the shack. Still, it just... It created issues for him. Um... I, I don't want to interrupt anything, but uh, am I free to go now? I, I I did my job. I mean, you found what you wanted. You found uh, what the stuff was. Uh, it's a time stream and all the, that's all I know and I should go free now. You are not free, Mr. Nico. If Victor here does not want what I have offered, I will take a hold of you. This did not go over well with several of the guards who reached for their sidearm. Victor waved his hand to try and calm the situation down a touch, and breathing seemed to be almost normal now. I didn't say I wouldn't use him. I wonder how he is still alive. You promised the ability to get time and use it to power things, not some bystander who we will eventually have to uh, be rid of. I don't need those that complicate my life and matters. But I did give you what you wanted to know about the house and its power. My boat offshore has a device to prove that, and like I said, I'm more than willing to take him off your hands. Plenty of buyers for a person who can walk into such a stream of time and take it, so to speak. A loud creak from the wood protesting being pushed in a certain way sounded from the house. The entire group looked over to see what was causing it, only to see that the house seemed to be folding in on itself with a blue mist emerging from the seams and cracks in it. Oh dear, uh, time seems to have escaped from the house, and it is all Dominique's fault for bringing me here. I did fall through the floor and give it some room to come out, but it's not my fault, if if that's what's causing this. But I'm, I'm going to say I don't think that's true at all. Um, Not my fault. I, well, I, I do think it's not m not my fault is the true part. Everything else, eh... But, but anyway, uh, since it does appear that the blue mist is doing a fine job of escaping all on its own, he stopped his little monologue to await a retort from anyone. None seemed to be coming, so he turned to the people holding him there. Uh, hello? Anyone going to make a comment about my ramblings? They were all mesmerized by the sight as more loud creaks and bangs and pops followed from the house. It was being dismantled plank by plank, it seemed. The mist now had grown from a blue hue to a swirling mass that moved into a ball shape that was heavily spinning about as the house was soon gone from sight and part of the cliffside with it. And pretty much everything near it was beginning eaten by this stuff. And I think that's my cue to run away. I suggest anyone not caught up in the sight do the same. He turned and began running past the guards who seemed to snap out of it as he went past them. For a second he aimed for running down the road, but with the wind picking up he veered off towards one of the neatly parked vans just near the side of the road. He would clamber to the driver's side looking about for the keys, hoping that someone had left them where they should not be. A moment later he found himself distracted as the passenger side door flew open and in hopped Dominique as best she could because her hands were still cuffed. She used one of her feet to get the door to swing closed, enough for her to grab it and fully close it. Satisfied with that accomplishment, she looked over at him. What are you looking at? Don't you have keys to find? Am I that stunning that you've become distracted? 
He shook his head and went back to his search, and in one of the cup holders found a set of keys and began trying them out on the vehicle. One of the keys went into the ignition and allowed him to turn the engine over. He jerked the column shifter, getting it into the R sector, and swung his head around to look out back as he hit the gas and swung the wheel to get them out of here. The vehicle was turned around and then pointed down the road, and Nico found himself driving as quickly as he dared. The road was bumpy and jarring, so he didn't dare go fast, fast, fearing losing control of the vehicle. There was something at the back of his mind that he felt like he was forgetting. Can you drive faster? We need to get away from that stuff. No, I cannot. Uh, do you see anybody behind us, like the guards? She glanced at the side mirror. No, you're throwing up too much dirt and dust. The thought of the guards, of just standing around staring, snapped into his mind, and then thought of the scientist in the shack, which sprang forward. Ah, scientist! He slowed down, looking for a potential side road off to his left that might lead to the beach-side shack. There was a small, clear-cut line up ahead, and he hoped that might lead him there. What about scientists? You're damn scientists. The ones that don't know what's going on are being left behind. Oh. He found a cut in the trees and hoped for the best as he turned down what was a sandy, uneven path. The van tossed its way around the trees, which were very close to the sides, making the ride uncomfortable. He would slide the van, still running and trying his best to make sure that they were not stuck in the sand, maneuvering it, circling it around before stopping, but making sure he didn't turn it off, then looked over at the scientists, who were all outside and rather busily staring at the mesmerized ball of time and energy that was whipping around nearby. Dominique lowered the window on her side and stuck her head out. Get in the van, or you will be taken by time. This seemed to snap the group out of staring endlessly. The side door of the van was thrown open a second later, and a whole lot of them packed their way into the van until it was full and stuffed, and the beach was empty of people. Is there anyone in the shack? The response he got back was a mere jumble, a mumble of words that he couldn't comprehend, and he looked over towards Dominique. Don't leave. He jumped out. Nika would burst into the shack, looking wildly about, expecting that some random scientist might be huddled in some corner. Why? Well, playing the hero sounded good in his mind. A furious look around found this living room space to be empty. Hello, is anyone there? There was no response, which was good, hopefully, but he didn't trust it and charged deeper inward. He found a small hallway beyond the living room with a couple of doors. Not wasting a second, he bounded down it, throwing open any doors, popping his head in and shouting hello. He was grateful there was no response or appeared to be anyone in there, and with a sigh of relief, ran out of this shack. Back outside, he felt even more relief rush through him as the van was still there. Nico would run as fast as he could, as the blue, angry orb had grown larger, with its wisps of fog swirling around, swirling around it as trees and land were being eaten and disappeared from view, and it was getting much, much closer. He made it to the door of the vehicle, feeling very heavy the closer he got to it, but he got it open and got in. He would slam the door shut and threw the car back into gear and glanced over at Dominique, who was worriedly staring at the blob of blue haze that was losing its ball shape at this point. She noticed and held up her still cuffed hands. Driving away with these isn't easy. I tried it once, and it did not go well. Otherwise, yes, I would have left you here. All he could do was frown and concentrate on the pathway to the little road 
that would get them off of the beach and back towards the regular road. And it was not an easy task, since the tree branches were so close and hedged in on this narrow road. And on his right, the things were still vanishing into that blue bowl of haze. And that blue bowl of haze was making things feel heavy in its response. Hell, everything was beginning to feel heavy from his arms on down, but he kept the pedal pressed down, hoping that he would get him a little further away. It helped that it didn't feel like they were being sucked up by time, just made to feel heavy, as they made some headway and got from this little side road onto the actual road, where it was bumpy and uncomfortable, but eventually began to smooth out a little, which still didn't allow for high-speed travel, but the tree line had backed away, and a short distance away there appeared to be a few buildings, and the further away they managed to get, the less heavy it almost began to feel. They soon found themselves driving through a mostly run-down town that had a very commercial feel to it, one that had a faded posters espousing great sales or great food, but had been abandoned when the resort went goodbye to see you next lifetime. Here, though, the roads had at least been taken care of since the owner of the place had stuck around for some reason. Nico pressed the gas further as he aimed for an area that looked like it might be a dock and hoped that there might be a boat that would allow them to get off of the island. In a screech of brakes from being hit a bit too hard to bring the van to a stop, they came to a stop in a parking lot of these docks which he'd hoped would have a boat. There were also a few abandoned vans around here, and Nico thought they looked distinctly like the ones that they'd seen at the house, but that look only lasted for a few seconds, as he still wanted to make sure that there was a boat left anywhere in the docks. There appeared to be one, but he could only see a mast from where he was. Right, everyone out, let's hope that boat over there is a boat and that it floats. He himself would race towards the railing that separated the parking lot from the floating docks to see this boat. It was still floating, from what he could see of it, but it did not look particularly big. The worry was that not everyone would be able to get aboard it and, and fit on it with this giant whatever was behind them. He looked back to see the scientists were already headed down the stairs to get on the floating docks and down to this boat. As quick as he could, Nico joined them, though with the crowd and the unstable free-floating docks, it was not easiest of times to get around. He got to the front of the scientists and jumped aboard a 60-foot vessel, then turned around to help them aboard until it got to Dominique, who stopped and stared at them. You know, it would be a good time for you to sacrifice yourself since you're the cause of all of this, and thus you will end it all here. How did you know? No, I didn't. But isn't this a moment where idiots decide things all on their own? You have only told me half of what is going on, and I don't think staying here in a whirlpool of massive whatever blue thing is a good idea for you. He looked over at what had once been a blue ball of time wrapping around itself. The blue was mostly gone in a wash of white. It was also now terribly close to eating its way through town. We don't have time. Get aboard. No. He jumped off the boat, grabbed her, and threw her aboard. He would have dragged her up to the pilot house where the ship's wheel was and dropped her off. Then looked about to the group of scientists who were busily doing something. There were a few cables out from under the steering wheel, and they appeared to be doing something like trying to hotwire it. Um, 
One of them turned and glared at him, holding up two cables in his hand. They were shaken at Nico, who stood there trying to decide what to do about this. These unusual times called for odd things to be happening, but he did not think it would be scientists who would be doing it the most. He opened his mouth to say something, anything, but his brain decided nothing was going to come of this. You think, because we are scientists, we aren't able to dabble in the arts of getting boats started without a key? Nico shrugged. Well, we can. Now go away and let us do our work. Yeah, fine. I'll get to the moorings keeping us here. However, keep an eye on Dominique. She's feeling very self-sacrificial, and it isn't a good look. He exited with a wave of his hand. Down on the deck in short order, Nico went about the port side of the boat, checking for any tied-down ropes. He loosened the ones that looked like they were holding the boat, and with these and with those gone, with those gone, the craft began bobbing its way through the water, bumping against anything it wanted to. He stood there waiting for the throb of engines to kick to life, while watching the storm of time eat more and more of the island. The thought of finding an oar to help them get moving came to him, but he didn't think he would find one on this boat, or that it would be much help, really. So he stood there until the engines finally did come to life, and began pushing them slowly away. The boat would totter its way about, taking its leisurely time trying to get across the small bay they were in. Everyone aboard was either watching the time storm or eagerly wishing that the boat would go faster. Neither was really doing much, and so the vessel went on its way, eventually just breaking past the sandbars that circled and protected the bay. The open water was a welcomed one and praised by all aboard the little boat. But attention soon turned back towards the island as it was covered in white smoke that swirled around it. The island itself was completely gone from view, and while the smoke was strong, it did not seem to be advancing anymore. The fact that it looked rather off to Nico, like it was taking on a new disproportionate shape, bothered him, but it was what it was, and what it was was a mystery to him. Then it felt like it was hurtling right at him, even though he was staring at it. And despite putting up his hands, plus a few steps backwards, a marble shape smacked into his forehead and toppled him over. Nico would land with the thud on the aft deck, the marble-like thing plunking down on his chest after it bounced upward. All Nico could do was rub his head where he'd been hit and try to figure out what had happened. But then Dominique was leaning over him. The island is gone and you've been hit by this thing. Yeah? She tried to pick up this blue-hued marble that was on his chest, but a few inches from it, it turned to a fiery red. Ouch! She dropped it back onto him, and it returned to its blue color. Carefully, Nico held it up against himself as he sat up, hoping that whatever this was, it wouldn't be mad at him and turn red and hurt him. It didn't change colors, so he rolled it into his hands, and after a few seconds he lifted it up to see it, and swore he could see just a little bit of an island inside this little marble. Maybe it was his imagination playing tricks on him, but he doubted it. He picked it up further and put it between his two fingers to make sure that he could put it to the sunlight and, and see what was inside. The marble definitely looked like it had a mini island tucked inside. What is that thing? I'm guessing it is where we were, we just were, but transformed into this because of time, maybe?
I wonder what would happen if we cracked it open. He looked at her as she knelt down to study the marble in his fingers. And why hasn't it hurt you? I don't know, and I don't think breaking it open is a good idea. We'd probably have an island land on us. Boat off the starboard side, I think. They both looked up, and Nico got to his feet carefully, pocketing the marble. There, to the starboard side, was a crabbing boat, lurching its way across the calm waters towards them. Oh, Joy, your friends are here. I don't think so. That boat appears to be moving of its own accord. End of part two of A Thieves' Nightmare Thank you for listening.